Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. It's Steph Curry's Hall of Fame month of April in the National Basketball Association. We're closer and closer to the NFL draft. You can almost taste it for all you football fans. Don't be worried. We will get to your sport because nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. But if there's any better way for people to pause this or fast forward or change to a different podcast, it would probably be to say we even talked baseball on our show since it started. And as baseball fans, it's probably something we should do. Now, before you go changing that to another show, it's going to be about the shitty parts of baseball, not how shitty our teams, the Yankees and Cardinals are respectively to this point are, but about These new rules that were implemented during last season as a way to speed things up, move things along. We didn't know from day to day whether or not games would be played. So we needed to make some little changes here and there to try and make sure that games got at least finished. Let's put a runner on second in extra innings. Let's cut these double headers down to Little League. Travel ball. We'll only do seven innings for them. Okay, you could swallow that last year. We were just happy to have players on the field. But for whatever reason, they decided to carry that over into 2021. And I got to tell you, Al, I don't want to sound like I'm not a part of the new report portion of this show. But these new rule changes suck, to say the least. Suck. First of all, welcome aboard. To all, to all our fans Traffic and friends folks. and listeners, that's that's number one. We hope you're well as we are fighting our way through this pandemic and hoping that come summertime we're going to be at the ballparks together, probably still distancing, uh, probably in masks, but hopefully uh, more of us and enjoying the games. And who knows, maybe even enjoying a Cardinal game where they score some fucking runs. All right, but this. I could not agree with you more on the second base rule. Now, look, I grew up going to AAA international league games with my dad, with my friends. Sunday doubleheaders were the rule. And in the international league, AAA, the last level before the big leagues, folks, for those of you who have any idea or care, which is great baseball. When I was a little kid, Double headers were nine innings and seven innings. Second game was seven. And then slowly but surely, they shifted it. So both games were seven innings. So I've been subject to that. I've seen that. I was comfortable with that. And when they did it last year because of the pandemic, because they had to get games in, issues with the virus, my hideous Cardinals being a perfect example with all the games they lost and had to jam them all in. I had no problem with it. And quite frankly, remember, since we don't have scheduled doubleheaders, we don't have them because of the agreement between the owners and the players. I wish we did. I wish the collective bargaining agreement called for four or five doubleheaders a season. More days off, four or five doubleheaders, and start the season a little later. And ended a little earlier. We don't need to start in April too. 1st. I mean, hey, we're going to the doubleheader today, son. Take the day off from school. Weekend doubleheaders. We go. Saturday, Sunday doubleheaders. Absolutely. Start the season April 10th instead of April 1st. 154 games. I've got the number of games all plotted out per team, per division, per interleague. It works. 
It's the AWP rescheduling scenario. But contrary to you, I'm fine with the seven inning doubleheader. I have no issue with it because it's real baseball. However, this phony, I don't even know what you want to call it, candy ass, make them up as they go along, runner on second base to start the 10th inning. Obviously, last year, we needed speed-up games. Pitching staffs were taxed. You couldn't afford to go 13, 14, 15 innings. I can even live with this in the regular season as much as I hate to say, but you've got to give me three innings. You've got to give me the 10th, 11th, and 12th of real baseball, of regular baseball, instead of let's go right to the runner on second base. Because no, you don't want 16 inning games. No, you don't want 18 inning games. Yes, they're even still recovering from the pandemic. So I can understand that, and it may be part and parcel of this season, and you may have to deal with issues. But let's play three real extra innings of baseball the way it's supposed to be played. Okay. Nobody's going to go into contract time and say, well, you know, that L. How does that guy take a loss? Am I concerned about? Yes, I'm concerned about their stats. How are those earned runs if the guy starts on second base? How do I get a loss if I start the inning and you put a guy on second base and then there is a bunt and a ground ball or a fly ball and we lose? I get the loss. I didn't give up a hit. I didn't give up a run. I retired both guys that faced me and I get the loss. That blows. But more importantly, the entire concept of it blows. It's not real baseball. It's fake baseball. You didn't earn your way on. Granted, it's getting harder and harder to get on because nobody wants to play by the rules of let me try to put the ball in play because too many of these guys are big old white white boy softball players with guts and just trying to hit the ball 450 feet. How about you try and put the ball in play, sluggo? It's like hitting it 450 feet every time. We're taking your massive swing and looking straight up in the air when you finish. Twisting yourself into the ground. It's called contact. Give it a try. One time. Put it in play for Christ's sakes. Yes, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. But how about getting guys on base? Let's give that a try. Walks, bunts. Ooh, guy on third base. Do you think maybe we can put it in play? No, let me strike out. Think maybe we can get a fly ball? No, let me strike out. Cut that on my swing. Go the other way? Nah. Why try that? Because that's baseball. Not this analytical bullshit about supposedly it's better off swinging for the fences because you might run into one one out of five times and strike out 200 times. Because, you know, an out is an out is an out is an out. It's a crock of crap. Horse shit. You enjoy watching this game when the ball's in play three out of every 10 times? Bullshit fall asleep on you wonder why the kid in right field fell asleep all the time now you know because little league where the kid stands on the mound and strikes out 90 percent of the players is coming to the big leagues i can swallow the seven inning doubleheaders and you could even argue that in today's game with how strong some bullpens are depending on how they go about the game you sometimes have your games cut to six or seven innings If the bullpen is good enough, you assume the starter goes five or six. Here comes the bullpen. It shortens the game if you have the staff to do so. You could argue and accept the seven-inning doubleheaders because at least it's something. And as you said, you deal with that for most of your life playing baseball in some form or another, and you, you make it work. You figure it out. Sure, a pitcher can go out and throw a complete game, seven inning, shutout. That's fine. See that happen all the time in high school. Girl softball throws a perfect game. The game is shortened because the team also crushed the team offensively. It's 12 nothing, five innings, perfect game. We're going home. Nobody Walk bats an eye. That's okay. Walk it off. Mercy it's, rule. It's a perfect game. Still counts. But this runner on second base thing, especially in some of the games that it's happened to. Now, there's years for both our teams, for your team, and in the sport in general where it feels like you'll see long inning, extra inning games happen so often where you're just rolling your eyes at some point. Again, 
They're in the 16th inning again on the four letter network. I'm trying to catch sports center before I go to sleep. It's 1:30 AM. We're still playing this game. Then a week goes by again. We're in the 13th inning. Some years you just get so fed up with it. You start talking about solutions. What are we going to do to fix this? I know Boog Shiambi was a big proponent of after 12 innings, just call it a tie. Ties in base. Well, leave it to Boog. And, 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 and you know, big, whatever, whatever Boog's position is, it will always be big because Boog is big. Boog's got his own booth. New Cubs broadcaster Boog Shiambi now. He's, he's, he's so big. Boog is a large man. Large man. I agree with you. If you want to put a runner on second, at least give us some innings to figure it out. Give us a chance. Give the teams that have been battling each other a chance. It's so contrived. It's so phony. It's so made up. And I understand it had to be. And it was fine for last year. It was fine. So give me a happy medium. I understand you don't want to go 16. Or seventeen, neither do or we. Twenty-one. Everyone. That's fine. That. That's fine. But is it really going to kill us to go three real extra innings? Is it going to put that much of a damper on ratings, on arms? What percentage of games go into extra innings anyway? Well, and if Incredibly you want to build small. drama and you want to get people to kind of get the feeling, it's building. Okay, we're going to the tenth. Okay, we're going to the 11. Okay, we're in the 12. Runner on second coming up. You guys know this is it. They got to score here or the runner comes up in the top of the 13th. That's adds a little intrigue. Exactly. Adds a little intrigue. You you don't want to turn it on. Keep you watching. Keep you watching. Are we going to get to the the, the, the bonus runner? Let's see what happens. No. No. This is just another genius move by – you know, the boy genius himself, the boob in the commissioner's chair, the one and only Rob Manfred. But no, of course, now he's brought in the man who's burnt two franchises to the ground, all right? the one and only Theo Epstein, who says, here's an open pocketbook. Do whatever you need. Blow as much money as you want. Sign as many and overpay as many guys as you want. Just get us a championship. Doesn't matter what it costs. Well, now we see what it's cost. The Cubs are broke. They can't sign anybody. So Theo's moved on after he left the House of Fire in Boston. So, yeah, he brought championships. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a smart guy, but we're going to leave the rules to him. I don't think so. Not on my watch. I just have a hard time believing that we're going to get to the end of this year when the races are settled, when we know who's going to win what, what teams have to battle in that wild card game, where the excitement will be coming down the final stretch to get those last positions. You're not going to tell me that at least one or two teams are going to be impacted by this rule and think, you know, we're two losses away slash two wins away from getting into the playoffs. And four times this season, we played extra innings. We lost three of them in the first inning. We were the away team. We didn't score. The home team drove in their run. We lost. There's going to be countless examples of that, unfortunately. And what are these teams supposed to do? Just say, oh, well, we battled all season and it happened to come down to two extra inning games where we couldn't get the runners in or we were the home team. The away team not only scored that run from second, happened to also knock in another. We're down two. We knocked in the guy from second, but we couldn't tie the score up. We lost. They're going to just be kicking themselves at these charade game. It's it's like going to the arcade or playing your buddy in video games. Like, Hey man, we got things to do. You want to just throw a runner on second in the extra innings and get out of here. I don't want to keep playing this game. It's already been X. We got to go outside. Dinner's coming. I get it, but this is, this is it. This is the professional leagues here. This is major league baseball. And you're given that silly option right out of the gate. I, would love for them to try and shorten games. Don't get me wrong, but you got to give them a chance. That's the only thing we're saying. Give them a chance. Then if you want to do it after three innings, by all means, fine. It's late. Fine. 
fine. We don't we need to it. have 18 inning games in the regular season. That's fine. Especially now when, you know, pitchers can't go more than six. Perish the thought. Goodness gracious. 106-year-old Adam Wainwright went seven last night, struck out 10. But, you know, last night Corbin Burns in there, the actor, he can't go past 90 pitches. Owner's ERA is .16. Never throws one six innings. You know, I, I'm so tired of this notion of how unhittable these guys are, you know, versus the way the guys used to, whether it's Gibson or Koufax or Seaver or Maddox or, 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 or Randy Johnson or Pedro. What do you think those guys' numbers would have been if they said to him, look, here's what you do. Go out and empty the tank for six. Just give me six. Don't worry about it. They look and say, like, six. Six. First of all, the best pitcher you got, why would I only want to go six? Because if you go out there and give us lights out six, we got another guy coming behind you, and he's trained. He's only got to throw a couple because he used to be a starter, but he sucked as a starter. So we made him into a reliever because he can go two. And then we got another guy who just throws it in. So just give me six. Don't worry about getting a win. Just go out and blow it up for six. So how do you think you know, Seaver would have been if he could go out there knowing, I just got to give him six. So I'm going to empty the tank, all right? 90 pitches, 95 pitches every time out. Gibson, Marischal, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan. How many no-hitters do you think Nolan Ryan have through six innings? I mean, you got to be joking. Pedro Martinez, Clemens, the cheater, but he was great. Like, come on. This is ridiculous. I'm so tired of sitting 90 pitches. Go get him. Let me see how you do when you go in the eighth inning. And not once, twice. Let me see you get into the eighth inning like 50% of your starts. What do you got left in the eighth? Got anything left? Never know. Never get to see you go. Well, and the crazy thing is there's not many, but there are a handful of guys still with that old school mindset. Give Garrett the ball, Cole. Get out of my way. Garrett Cole, DeGrom, absolutely. And sometimes they're, they're on teams where the GM or the manager, whoever's pulling the strings on a specific day, won't let them. Say, no, you're coming out. Too bad. Too bad. Your pitch count's too high. We're taking you out of the game. And you're waiting for a pitcher one day to choke the guy out on his walk to the mound. Get back in the dugout. I'm finishing this game. I'm getting through these outs. I'm getting through my innings. Don't even think about taking me out. Well, part of the problem is pitch counts. Guys have six inning shutouts and they throw 90 pitches. How are they so high? Because it's the same old story. Nobody's putting the ball in play. Takes more pitches to strike somebody out and get somebody out in one or two pitches. Follow a few off, throw a couple balls. Everybody's an eight pitch at bat. Don't get anybody out in one or two pitches anymore. Go out there, strike everybody out. Because you don't have to worry about going nine. Empty the tank. Do us all you got. Go with the gas. We got to go six. It's like Little League. You only get three. Three innings, you're done. Go your three innings, stint. Give me all you got. Four. As hard as you want. Four as hard as you want. Every pitch. Three and four the next game. You need two good starters on your team, Al. One that could go four. Throw as hard hard as you want every pitch. But God forbid that pitch count. Once you hit it, that's it. Got to get you out. It's just. It's become a game that I love so much that they've made into really a fake game because so many people are part-time. So many people are limited in what they can do. Yes, you've got the brilliance of Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, As soon as somebody's really good, they're anointed a super-duper star. Tatis Jr. all of a sudden is the best shortstop to walk the planet Earth. He's hitting 135. Can we pump the brakes a little? We know Lindor is great. We know Betts is great. We know Trout's the best player on the planet. We know Acuna might be coming up behind him with his skill set. But guy after guy after guy after guy, strike, 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 175, 215. I mean, enough already. Enough. Hit the fucking ball. Put it in play. Run. Don't walk back to the dugout. The bat on your shoulder. 
take a few more pitches, too. How many more first pitch fastballs are guys going to take? Right down the fucking middle. Right down Broadway. They say they got these guys can time a bullet. Well, why aren't you swinging at 97, 96, right down the middle? What are you waiting for? Well, the analytics say if I take the first pitch and then swing at the second, the third one will be the best. Come on, man. Okay. Okay. The analytics also say that a home run in the first inning has the same value as a home run in the eighth inning. A home run is a home run is a home run. Okay. Sure. So home run that uh, puts me ahead five to one has the same value as a home run that ties the game one, one in the eighth. It puts me ahead two, one. It's a crock of shit. That's made up. BS. Who came up with that thought process? Is that you know, uh, another Bill James formula? Another Bill James disciple? That that's what analytics say? It's all the same? It's all homogenized? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever you say. Ruin the game. Ruin the game. It's always been a game of numbers. It's always involved percentages but they have taken it and absolutely turned it into an abortion to watch, to root for, and the way, the, way the players play the game. Because they don't play the game anymore the way it's meant to be played. They don't take advantage of all their options. And you see the damage that's being done. You have an entire field you can use. But if you're only going to hit the ball to part of it every time, that's where they're going to play you. And rightfully so. What, what do you think they should do? If you're dumb enough to hit the ball the same place every time, no matter where the pitch is, well, why wouldn't I play you over there? This is not exactly a new thing. They shifted on Ted Williams, his greatest hitter of all time. One of them. Modern times, supposedly. If you don't want to count Tyco. But shit's been going on for years. We shifted against guys in high school. Now, if you want to preclude a second baseman from playing right field, if you want to preclude a shortstop from going to the second base side, if you want to make them stand their side of the field, doesn't mean they can't still play in a pole. Doesn't mean they can't still run a shift. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I miss shifting in Little League, don't you? Like before there were as many stats available. We were in a playoff game in Little League. And my coach put one of our best players in short left field because of how our outfield was talent-wise, let's say. And the ball traveled there the most. Of course. I mean, that's how we played. We just put when an extra we, guy in short left field. When, when, I was coaching, when I was coaching Little League with, and my son Justin was playing, this, we won two championships in a row. The second championship. We, the team we played in the final series, it was the last two out of three series for the championship. They beat us four straight times in the regular season. And we played them again in the finals. And they had a great lineup, but it was top loaded. So once they got through the first six, we shifted our entire I, I gave the signal, and our entire outfield came in about 10 steps. Every time. Catcher gave the signal, and in they came. And we cut off a bunch of bloopers because the back end of their order wasn't nearly the powerhouse as the front end of their order. And the back end of their order did no damage against us because we weren't going to let anything drop in. And, and we brought them in, not two steps. We brought them way in, like a few steps behind. We said we dared them to hit it over the outfielder's head. Right. When I was in high school, I got pulled from the game in extra innings. I got pinch hit for. And the team we were playing had a terrific player, their best player, and he killed us all day. We shifted against him. He bunted. 
for base in. So we had to put our third baseman back where he would normally be. And then after I got pinch hit for in extra innings, we took the lead. And lo and behold, he comes up, two outs. I, I don't remember what it was the bottom of, but it was probably the bottom of the eighth or bottom, probably the bottom of the ninth. I know it went a couple extra innings. So it's probably the bottom of the ninth because you play seven in high school. And we had taken a couple run lead, and they had a couple guys on. And we had a really good defensive left fielder uh, who was one of my best friends, not much of a hitter, and a really nice kid in right who was a much better hitter but a very, very mediocre at best outfielder. And I turned to our coach, my manager, who was pretty tight with. And I said, Skip, coach, I said, what do you think about flip-flopping Tom and Steve? He looked at me, looked at the kid, yelled at the umpire for time. Steve, Tom, you guys switch. Lo and behold, kid, kid hits a bomb deep to right field that I don't think Tom would have had any chance to catch. Steve charges back, hauls it in, game over, we win. I just looked at the coach, gave him a wink, nodded his head. This is not new. Our shifts used to be, hey, yelling at whatever position it was. He hit it to you last time. Or, hey, he hit it over your head last time. You're way less. Now you got to look in your fucking hat. He blooped You're one in. Move in a couple steps. Real last simple. time we played this Move guy, in. he pulled Wave it all three. Move him in. That Move was him over. Top step of the dugout. That's Wave it. the towel. In. Over. Now, gotta Keep look, going. Gotta look the hat. And you're, you know, I'm on the mound waiting for them to shut up so I could throw my fucking pitch. Keep gotta going. Look the hat. Keep going. All right. He's not going to hear that far, coach. I like the guy standing on the dugout waving the towel. What do you got to look at your hat for? That's it. That's it. You don't need diagrams. You don't need wrist wrist, uh, guides with the numbers and the letters and all sorts of stuff. High school now, when you cover the game, I had to ask these questions when I first got there, especially in softball. They use this a lot. They'd get out of the box. They'd be looking at their wrists, and the coach is yelling out numbers. They say, what the hell are you doing? Well, that's our balls and strikes. We yell out a number system or bunt, steal, et cetera. They got the the coat, the quarterback wristlet on where you'd have all the plays in the NFL. My son had to, they, they made the kids, Justin had to wear it in high school. I said, whatever happened, an indicator is the belt. I'm going to touch my arm twice. That means they had to wear, they had to wear in defensively in high school for who was going to cover, what they were going to do on the bunts whether they were going to run, what play they were going to run, whether they were going to run, uh, you know, wh- whether they were going to run the uh, the wheel play or not, you know, et cetera, or what they were going to do with first and third. Get the wristbands on. Yeah. And he was like, I hate wearing this thing. It's like a, it's like a math problem. You're taking the SATs. Oh, yeah. God, what, 5-5-2. Five, five, Is that the fake pickoff or am I covering second on a throwdown? What's Jesus. They spend half the play. I mean, you're supposed to think about the balls hit to me. Where do I go? Now half of that is spent looking at your wrist, trying to figure out where you're actually going to go if the balls hit to you. Forget about what you learned. We got to play on. Jeepers. Play the game. Stuff. Play the game. Play. 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 It's a game. Of course, it's a business. It's a game you play for money. That makes the game a business. It's still a game. Play it. It's still unfortunate that whenever baseball gets brought up, whenever something seemingly happens that people are tuned in to watch or made sure they catch up on, the narrative is usually, or the headline usually is, how can we change this? What's wrong with baseball? How can we fix this? Every time. Well, part of the problem is the fact that your end of the bargain, the new report has the attention span, of a fucking firefly. If you could get your face out of your phone <laughs> once in a while, that would help eminently. But you know, everything in life is tuned to that phone. Everything in life, everything, everything that goes on. Twitter to the phone we go. Facebook to the phone we go. Instagram to the phone we go. Where what 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 don't we get from the phone? Is there anything you don't get from your phone? I check scores on the phone. I get emails on the phone. I get texts on the phone. Absolutely. But I don't walk around with my face in it nonstop. You look at these people that walk in the streets, their face are in the phone constantly. 
Get out of the elevator facing the phone. Walking across the street facing the phone. I call it FIP facing phone. FIP facing the phone. Print the shirts. Can we look up? Can we look up? Up, here we go. Eyes up. Eyes up. Print the shirts. You're the asterisk. We got a second one now. That's great. We got to get this store going. The AWP guarantee be another shirt too. Hoping that the world will not leave baseball. Let the kids play, they say, on the advertisements. And that is that is what they should do. Let them play. Play. Enjoy. Have fun. Don't bastardize the game. Don't turn it into something it's not. It should still be hard, but it should be fun. And it should be an accomplishment. And it should be a joy to watch. It should be that incredible, intense pressure of postseason at-bats where you hang on every pitch, every pitch, because it's excruciating. It's okay to go and get up, grab a beer, take a piss when your team's hitting, but you can't miss a postseason pitch when your team is in the field. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. And that's what makes the game great. Postseason baseball is so intense. It is so pressure-packed. Every inning of every game, it's such a beautiful thing. Yes, the postseason of every sport is over-accentuated. Of course. Why? Because we have more postseason. People never talk about that. Oh, they play for the postseason. Play for what about the regular season? What? The regular season doesn't matter as much because there's more teams in the postseason. When it's easier to get to the postseason, the regular season is necessarily not going to mean as much. Kind of obvious. But then once you're there, you lose and you go home. So it's incredibly important. It's the way it used to be with the regular season. When just one team in each league, yes, I remember that, made it to what was called the only postseason play, which the World Series, folks. Only two teams go to the postseason. And there was only one postseason series. I know. Look it up. Hard to believe. If you can take your face out of the phone for a second. Wait, you can look it up on your phone. And this is before there were these kind of phones. Shocker. They have been around forever. But the point is, when everybody has a greater chance to get there, yes, you'll play hard, but it won't be as intense because more have a chance to make it. And the more we add... Yes, the regular season will be competitive because you'll have more teams fighting for spots and more teams thinking they have a chance to get in. However, when you do that, you minimize the importance for some teams to play hard for the entire season to get in. Because, you know, do you think the Dodgers are going to make playoffs? I mean, really? Like the Dodgers have to go out there and go balls to the wall every night. They won 115 games, for Christ's sakes. They're that great. But these other teams, of course, they have to play hard. Of course, they have to play well. And yes, postseason is what it's all about. But you have opened the field up to more competitors, which is a good thing because we all love postseason baseball. Of course, we want more of it. It's electric. It's amazing. But it creates the possibility of lessening the importance of the regular season for certain teams and dropping the intensity level, etc. But the point is, there's nothing like postseason baseball. What we need to do is try and get more postseason flavor into the regular season. It's hard because it's such such a long, arduous road. But the thing about baseball that makes it great is baseball is always there. It's like your dog. It's like your best friend. It's always there for you. May not have anything to do on a certain night. May not be able to find anything. May not be able to go anywhere. Maybe your favorite team's not, but somebody else is. There's always somebody playing. 
you can always find a game. If you're a baseball fan, that's one of the best things about it. It's always there for you. Of course, we made mention of why did they decide to keep the seven-inning doubleheaders? Why did they decide to keep keeping the runner on second base in the extra innings? We should also add, why didn't they decide to keep for the postseason the exciting, the thrilling three-game series that led into the divisional series last year in the postseason? It's what I've been yelling for since this one-game wild card started. It would be nice if they made it three. I know it's a lot of drama, but as we know in baseball, one game is not necessarily the decider of who the better team is. It's who happens to have the best one pitcher or pitchers for that particular game. I was happy to see it come back or not come back to be something last year. And then this year they're like, yeah, we're going back to the one game. Sorry. Come on. 10 teams. I would love to see it. I, I, I would love to see a scenario where you have buys for two teams in the first round, three plays against six, four plays against five in two out of three series. Then you go to the semis and you have three out of five. And then you go to the CSs at four out of seven. Because a three out of five series is magnificent. Yeah. Three out of five series are sudden death games. You lose the first game at home in a three out of five and you feel like, oh my God, you know, you you want to go to the ledge. Exactly. Uh, it's three out of and, and, it's and a fair way to do it in baseball. From the old report, kids, folks, there was a time when the playoffs first started, when the postseason went from just the World Series to the for, the playoff format, which was two divisions in each league, AL West, AL East, NL West, NL East. Division winners only three out of five to get to the World Series. Some of the best series, most exciting, most excruciating, most gut-wrenching series of my lifetime were the first 1969, 12, is that 13? 69 to 81 is how many? Is that 12 or 13 seasons? 12 years, 13 seasons. Before they switched it over to, in 1982 to four out of seven. Three out of five is magic. Three out of five is must see every inning of every game. You see it in the College World Series every single year in Omaha. Incredible baseball games and on neutral fields at that. But the crowds come out. And like you said, you lose that first game. Woo! Good luck panic. winning two, man. Matt, if you're a fan, it's just panic stricken. Seven game series, one game. It's one game. No problem. One game. We'll be back. Lose that first one at home, three out of five. Where's the bridge? Where's the bridge? Yep. You lose I mean, the first the, the one excitement. in a one game elimination. It's like, Jesus, it's we just got here. And we're already going home. There's exactly. no drama. It's over. It's done. The excitement, the intrigue would be tremendous. And you could take the three divisions, you two teams, I'm sorry, six teams, right? Um, you can structure it any way you want. Three division winners, three wild cards, however you want to structure it. Um, you know, two best records, get the buys. Sorry, third division winner. You become, you know, the three seed. If you had a better record, and, and, and the impetus there is to play hard also for the entire season. Because winning your division doesn't get you a buy. You gotta win your division, be one of the two best records. And then you go three, six, four, five, one against the winner, two against the winner, three out of five. Ah, it would, it would be tremendous. Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Too 154 much, games catch. Too much rest. Oh, the better teams have too much rest. Listen, the better teams aren't gonna complain about getting a couple extra more days. You want them to play? Have the AAA and AA squads in their franchise team up and form a super team, and then you could play a couple exhibitions in the interim. Get a couple games in if you're going to be too well-rested. Too well Could you imagine? 
Anyway, that's how we fix baseball. And that's our first baseball talk on new report, old report. You're welcome. We finally got to it to yell a little bit about it. There'll be plenty more folks as my Cardinals continue to suck. There'll be more Matt Carpenter tirades throughout the season until they cut that bumblers. Still too cold for the vaunted Yankees offense. Once it starts getting a little warmer outside, you guys watch. You just wait and see what happens. I'm sure it'll turn around. Flick for flip of a switch. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. To the NFL, briefly, because last week we waxed poetically about how stupid this new narrative that slowly built up steam and the snowball started to build down the hill, rolling down the hill, that Justin Fields is not the second best quarterback, nor the third, maybe not the fourth in this draft, just falling down the draft boards without even playing any games on the field. Was he the last of the quarterbacks to play in a football game? He was tied for last with Mac Jones, but apparently that's not good enough for people. We had to come up with narratives as to why these others deserved to get ahead of him. Well, some days passed. Maybe some people looked around the internet or heard some things kind of like how the super league that was supposed to be formed in soccer took a look at their fans and the internet and decided maybe we should pump the brakes on this idea because no one seems to like it. That's not making the money. Maybe they did that for the draft because if you look at Mel Kiper, your boys latest, he's got Trevor Lawrence shockingly still at first. We don't want to get too excited and, and really freak people out. Maybe a couple days before the draft, we might try and pull it. Well, is Trevor really number one? He better be because Jacksonville fans are buying him wedding gifts off the registry and he's making donations to the Jaguars because of their kindness. And they got a coach and the they gifts. got a legendary coach who went there for one reason. It's a coach. And that reason, Trevor Lawrence. It's Trevor Lawrence. It'd be real awkward having to not only return the wedding gifts, but return the coach when he says, yeah, this ain't happening. If this is a huh? guy we're taking who Zach Wilson where? is going second in this. The chance of him being available here, though, according to Mel, is 98.5%. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm assuming. I don't know where else he could go. You're saying there's a chance. Okay. Leave it open. Leave it up for debate. At three, now, the 49ers, who we knew traded up for this, who went to all sorts of different pro days, Despite having Jimmy Garoppolo on their team, planning to return healthy, they're in the market for a quarterback. And now Justin Fields is slated to go to the San Francisco 49ers, not Mac Jones, not Trey Lance, not somebody we've never heard of. A I sleeper. think we can, I think we can cross off. Trey Lance is a possibility at three. It looks like it. There is no way the Niners traded two first-round picks to move up to get Trey, Trey Lance. Sorry. And I have said everywhere to anyone who will listen to me, if Jones is your guy, you didn't have to give up all that draft capital to move up that far to get him. You didn't have to go to three. Could have got him at seven. Could have got him at eight. Could probably get him at 10. Maybe the Patriots move up and take him at 10. I could see that. I could see Belichick moving up from 15 to 10 to take him. I just can't see anybody moving up to three to take him. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. When did this happen? This Mac Jones love affair. And this is not saying he's a bad quarterback. We're not saying he's bad, but it, he, he hasn't been. I the think story he's. I think he's good. Being better. Than I think he's good. He's a nice thrower. Looks good in the pocket. Throws a nice deep ball. Looked great at Alabama. Played against terrific athletes on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying Mac Jones is in a first round draft pick. All I'm simply saying is, 
as I've said to anyone who would listen to me, why do you have to give up all that draft capital to go up to three when you get them at 10 or nine or eight? That's what you have to give up two first round picks. You have yours and another one instead of two and yours. And you get them at eight. The interesting thing here is from the, Carolina. the chance of him being available, they have it 100% at third. So they're all the chips are down at the table that the Jets are going. Zach Wilson. The Jets, and I think that's a, a done deal. I think that's a done deal. That's what it looks like. Good luck, Jets. It's never, a pick has never backfired in a situation like this where it's a. Look, they've got a lot of draft cap. They've got a lot of draft picks. No They're pressure. in a position to, and, and a lot of cap space. No pressure at all. And a coach who a lot of people think he knows what he's doing. So. Yeah, I like where they are, except for the fact that they're where they are because they suck. But I like what they have to build with. But you got to start being a team that's not picking in the first six, seven picks every year. And that's where they always are. And that's because you suck. It was pretty simple. They pick in the top five or six every year, which means they suck every year. The biggest change from this week compared to last last week saw Justin Fields fall all the way to 10th where the new England Patriots traded up to snag him by the jaws of life for the Falcons, Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. who said No surprise. And make the hall of fame. Okay. No surprise. The Bengals, Panay Sewell out of Oregon. Got a little tackle help for Joe Burrow. Makes a lot of sense. No doubt about Dolphins, it. Dolphins. Wide receiver. Case, LSU. Give some help to your quarterback. Plural. And if not him, another wide receiver. Right. Take a wide receiver. Whether it's the Heisman Trophy winner or not. Then, this week, we've got New England trading up to seven with the Detroit Lions. Not to take Justin Fields, but to take Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. The percentage of Jones being available here, 6.8%. Also very interesting. Oh, it's that low. Where else is he going? That's where they have the Patriots going. And then we go down to number nine. Now, I screamed at the top of my lungs, by the way, Rashawn Slater a tackle out of Northwestern to the Panthers at eight for all you Carolina fans wondering what Mel had or Todd McShay had for you. Last week, I screamed that if Justin Fields was there at nine and you passed on him for any reason at all, people need to be fired. Fold the franchise. Well, quarterback is now apparently on the mind of Mel and Todd McShay because at number nine, they have the Denver Broncos taking Trey Lance quarterback, North Dakota state. Now Mel adds this mock draft is quote, what I would do. And I don't think drew lock is the long-term answer in Denver. Lance is only 20 and he'll need some time, but he has a high ceiling chance of being available. 5.1%. It's a lot different than if Justin Fields fell to the Denver Broncos. Al, I'll tell you that. It's a little bit different. Of a Justin Fields is not going to fall to the Denver Broncos. Last week, it felt a lot better to be so angry and adamant. But in the back of my mind, being like, how great would this be if Justin Fields fell all the way down to nine? There's no chance. Well, now maybe more sense has been put into this mock. And if you're going to go quarterback, that's most likely going to be the guy that's left. Makes sense. Can't feel great Look, about it either way. I, I, you know, if I'm picking, I'm picking him second. And we've been through this before. I don't dislike the BYU kid, but I just like Fields more. Absolutely. I, I just, I just like Fields as, again, I see him as kind of a hybrid between Russell Wilson, who is, I think, more athletic than and bigger and stronger, um, and Patrick Mahomes. Just look at the tape. This is also my part of the argument. That's Al's. Look 
at the tape. Look what he did in the college football playoff. Dismantling Clemson with God knows how many broken, bruised ribs that he had. He went to the locker room. They shot him up with whatever magic potion they have for football players. Treb it all or whatever it's called. Just open your mouth. Suck this down. Put your leg out. Roll up your pants. We're going to shoot you with this too. Whatever. Get back out there and play. You'll be fine. You won't feel a thing. Dominant. I, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment for things. And obviously, you know, I'm not going over mock drafts and watching film and wasting my time. It's what I happen to see on Saturdays. But there's something to me about these guys that can will their teams to the postseason, maybe even get to a national championship that just stands out for me when you say it's this guy or this guy, and the first guy has the resume of playing in the college football playoff, maybe even winning a national championship, I'm going with that dude almost every time because they won. Look what they did. I don't care about he could throw this far and wait till you see him at the combine when he's in his shorts and here's how he does on short. That's nice. Great. Perfect. Look at the dude that won the game. I think one of the first ones this happened to was Jameis Winston. Obviously it was who's going to go one. Who's going to go two? who won the national championship at Florida state, man. Give me that guy. By the way, he's also said he's worked out harder than anyone has this off season. So keep an eye out for that folks as Jameis fights to even get a starting gig with the team he's currently on. The new Jameis, by the way. He's the got Jameis those new with, eyes. The, ja- the Jameis with the new eyes. You watch now. No pun intended. You watch. <laughs> Jameis needs to watch. Gold helmets, Jameis. It has Gold been helmets. great in the NFL. But, you know, it's this guy or this guy. Pick one ja- of them for Jameis, one or two. Just, just, the just, like co- just like college. The guys in the gold helmets. There you go. Baseball, football, basketball, the whole gamut. Three majors, all for you. The soccer scenario did not merit conversation. Blink of an eye and it's gone. Like a comet across the sky. Don't look now. Super League come, Super League gone. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am El Renato, a.k.a. Alpha Morning Plans. This has been New Report, Old Report. Have a great and safe sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.